Welcome back to Streets and Eats. It's been a few weeks because, hey, the holidays, what more can I say? This is episode 54, and it's going to be about Southern Thailand, the things to do in Sankla. Welcome to Streets and Eats, the travel and food podcast dedicated to taking our listeners to the sights, sounds, and flavors of fascinating places near and far, both on and off the beaten path. We're Jim and Corinne Vale, and we've been traveling internationally and domestically together for decades, visiting more than 90 countries in all 50 states in the USA. We'll share all of the local knowledge and food expertise we've gathered through years of living as expats in Asia and Europe, as well as traveling with families spanning multiple generations around the world. Join us each week for a new adventure. Well, the holidays have been a lot of fun for us. Of course, we're here in Vietnam with our little two-year-old grandson. I can't really call him a little two-year-old grandson No, he's a big two-and-a-half-year-old grandson. Almost three, actually. (laughs) But it's been so much fun because that's really the reason we moved to Vietnam. Yeah. Well, he's he's so much bigger than the other kids that he plays with. We're out on the playground the other day, and I mean, he's just learning to socialize and share toys, and it can be a challenge, especially with such an international group group with around, different cultures and customs about sharing and group play and yeah. so we'll be out in the playground with uh, like the united nations yeah there's ukrainians russians you name it They're french out there. germans we're Swiss. in we live in district two which is a where many foreign expats live now in saying that uh, there's a joke around town that if you live in district one or district two you're not really in vietnam yeah. and in some ways that can be very true i can see where that that gets its its idea but the reality is there are plenty of vietnamese here and there and yes. when we're out on the playground i'm gonna say it's 90 percent vietnamese yeah, anyway yeah. they're definitely the majority yeah so, so we're getting fun and because he's so big for his age they assume he's like a four-year-old so they expect him to act like a four-year-old so i have to kind of say you know he's only two and a half he's big for his age he's still learning to to cooperate and share he's getting really good and it's a lot of fun and it's a great way to meet locals the locals and the neighbors um so we love that yeah it's been really really fun and just the idea of spending the holidays with him in general is fun plus we have this thing where we say you know if we're going to go out and see something go to a museum whatever we call it an adventure so now that's his new thing let's go on an adventure and as you know, Jim and I love adventures. Speaking of which. Song Claw was an adventure that we tacked on to the end of our Phuket trip. Uh, we talked all about all the fun things to do in Phuket. Really a great place to go for adventuring and beaches, beaches, food. island hopping. It was a lot of fun. So Claw was a little bit different, I thought. It had a different feel. Well, I chose it purposely for a couple of reasons. Number one, I'd never heard of it. That always yeah. that always makes me want to go there. And number two, I saw this gorgeous photo. Just absolutely stunning photo of a long tail boat with some people in it and being surrounded with uh, lotus flowers. Well, of course... That that sold it for me. That's why I chose this area to go on a little excursion for with. And we did it tacked on to our conference, our travel conference. So we were traveling with other travel bloggers and travel influencers. And um, it was really interesting. But because we were set on the time frame, we did make a few mistakes. And we'll talk about that as we go. But I'm here to tell you, Jim, what do you think? Songkla, the hidden gem of Thailand. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's not really a term that I like to use a lot, but Ugh. but it is. I mean, it's just beautiful down there. It's close to Malaysia. It's, it's on the Malaysian border. So actually, we didn't see a lot of Western tourists, but we saw a lot of Malaysians. Because, and Singaporeans. And yeah. Singaporeans, because basically they just take the train and hop across the border and they can even do it. In a long, albeit, day trip, or better yet, in a weekend. And we saw plenty of people doing that. Um, as it is, it took us about, I would say, two and a half to three days to really get a good feel for the region yeah, as well. I think that's a good amount of time to spend there. And it's if you want a, an experience that's not what you typically think of Thailand with the beaches and the islands. I mean, you can do that too at a different part. Then I would say go to Songkla. 
If you're in Thailand and traveling around, really the only way to get there, I think, from Bangkok or Phuket or any of those other places that you might be is probably to fly. It's going to be cheap yet easy. Yeah. And not too long of a flight. And well, it's like four hours from Bangkok because it's a smaller plane. It's not too bad though. Yeah. Well, so you can fly in from other points in Bangkok. You can fly in from uh, Chiang Mai, Phuket, of course, Bangkok. Um, You can fly in from Kuala Lumpur. And there were flights from Singapore. Yeah, there were. And in fact, that's what um, people recommend is going ahead and taking the flight is just easy. It goes into this little tiny airport, airport. Um, Haitai, I think it's called. In Haitai. No, Hot Yai. Hot I, I always say it wrong. That's why I said it like that. Mm. Hot Yai. Hot Yai. Hot Yai. Anyway, yai. it's a cute little <laughs> airport. It's got food in food in there. It's easy. Um, and of course, you know, it's quick because it's yeah. it's just a local airport. And it's just a ride into town. No problem. Well, Hot Yai is actually one of the one of the larger population centers. It is Thailand. surprisingly. It doesn't feel like it. It really though. doesn't. It feels like a small town. Yeah. It's, I guess it it's got fifth? a little bit of sprawl going on. Did it say it was fifth largest? I think I like wanted to say fourth largest. No, I'm going to say fifth. Anyway, okay. fourth or fifth. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's it's a good size. The airport is small and easy to navigate. Um, and you can get into town. It's like, I, I want to say like 18 kilometers from the main city of Hat Yai. But cheap. Like most airports are these days. Yeah, but getting around Thailand is pretty cheap. So you can take a bus or a minivan or a taxi. A taxi. Or Uber. Get into town. And then from there, the bus station will take you to the different points in the Songkla area. Um, Yeah, it's a good, you could make Hat Yai a base, I think, but you'd be doing a lot of extra moving around, traveling around. So I wouldn't. I would just make it. I wouldn't either. I mean, I don't see anything wrong with packing a suitcase and going to Bangkok for two or three days, going to Phuket for another two or three or four days, and then and then going to Songkla, Hat Yai, for another two or three days. Yeah. Um, and you could almost make a two-week trip out of it. And you're seeing different parts of the country, completely different things and wonderful. Well, and, and what's good about that also, if you did it in an itinerary like that, you can fly from... Hat Yai to Chiang Mai and do the northern regions at the end of the trip. Yeah. Or go Any the way you want to, actually. So that works really good. But I was saying use Hat Yai as a base for while you're in the region, in the Songkla region. Uh, you could do that, but you'd be doing a lot of driving to get some of the sites. Oh. So like the way we did, it, I thought worked really good where we kind of stayed here one night and stayed there one night and just kept moving around. We kind of did a circle around Songkla Lake uh, and that worked really good. Because that is one of the highlights is the lake. And we'll talk about that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so we arrived in Hatiai and then we went into Songkla and immediately did a walking tour because the town is so walkable of all the cool things to see in Songkla. And I got to say, when I was doing that, it definitely felt more Malaysian to me than it did Thai. Yeah, Obviously, the food was Thai. The people are Thai. The smiles are Thai. But uh, the dress was very Malaysian. Mm. Um, there were mosques everywhere, call to prayer. Um, you, It just... It just gave me a very Malaysian feel. Yeah. It had kind of a melting pot feel. Malaysia. Also Chinese because it has a lot of Chinese influence from immigration a while back, which is also where a lot of the architecture came from. It just has a really cool feel to it. Yes, I agree. And we loved every minute of it. So let's talk about walking around town. What did we see? I mean, what is there to do in Songkla? Well, we started at the Old Town Gate, which again is that has really a strong Chinese influence in its architecture. Really a beautiful gate. Uh, it's not, it's no longer a walled city. The wall doesn't it still walled? exist. But it was at one time. Yeah. So the gate is still there. They kept that. There's another section we walked through uh, down an alley that was another section of the wall, but really it's just houses and buildings now houses and buildings and 
street art and street art. That's one of the reasons why it reminded me of Malaysia so much because the street art was very what you always see in um, pictures in Georgetown and Penang. Mm. It's very you know interactive. Number one and number two, it's got that. It's just got that almost. Yeah, you're you're walking into a wonderland, but you're right on the street. It's just kind of cool. Really good. You know, they had like some of the street art was a guy on a bicycle or a person looking out a window or the coffee shop selling coffee and, and, and you the coffee cup and you can like reach out and grab it. And that's probably one of the number one photo spots. Yeah. And of course, these will all be on the article on our blog. So you'll yeah, want to go there and check out these beautiful pictures that we have. One of the things that was so awesome, just like anywhere else in Thailand, I mean, I haven't been a place in Thailand yet that I can't say this about the food was incredible, uh, amazing. And here, what they, what we experienced was in Songkla, they took us to an old house and this old, I don't know, what would you call it? A manor house or something? Yeah. It wasn't really a mansion because it was in the city. It's pretty big though, actually. But it was big. So a manor house is maybe a good way of saying it. Yeah. And they had turned the house, the the back of the house where people live. They, I think they had a private section too. They must have. Oh, yeah. Um, but they had a whole museum in there and then a whole room dedicated to the seventh king. Mm-hmm. and just really cool things. And then in the front of the house, they had a whole bakery and restaurant. Coffee and shop. we actually ate downstairs in the regular part of the house, but there was a whole other building where they had the bakery, and yeah. that was beautiful too. Everything was decorated just gorgeously. What was the name of that house? Uh, that was... Ban... Ban Duen Chai. Ban Duen Chai. Or Ban Duen Chai. I'm not sure for yeah, saying we're not that. Sh- obviously we don't speak Thai or anything else actually. And uh, <laughs> we're butchering English. that hopefully <laughs> uh, not too badly, but we will link it so that you can go there. It was amazing. All the food there was, was just excellent and beautiful. Yeah. Like the house itself was gorgeously decorated. So was the food. So we're talking edible flowers, uh, amazing presentation. It and was, because it was a bakery, it had, it was kind of like a fusion, some of it. Yeah. You know, they had some very traditional things like, what was that egg called? They gave us this orange round thing, oh and, which God. was the yolk of the egg. And it was kind of like a jelly. Mm-hmm. It didn't taste bad. It tasted quite good, actually. I liked it. Um, but it's not something I would have chosen to eat if they didn't yeah. actually point it out and say, you have to try this because it just doesn't look like something that... That you would that you would eat. want to put in your mouth. Well, that was one of the good things about this meal was we didn't order off the menu. No, they had selected a, a the meal for us, and so they had brought out like tea trays, right? Yeah, tiered tea trays that were just chock full of tastes, all kinds of mostly savory um, wraps and things like that, rolls, egg rolls, spring rolls, fresh rolls fresh rolls is what they were right yeah and they also had rice they, they had everything you can oh, imagine yeah. we had noodles we had rice. rice we had chicken wings chicken Those wings were my favorite <laughs> they were yeah, super they were. spicy really delicious it was all so good i definitely could not eat enough no. anyway so we we were walking around town we had lunch there um also down in the town and one of my favorite things was the street art as i was saying um but we went to a few places that are along the route and we'll make a little map on our blog so you can see yeah. it. Um, but there's a Chinese house where they kind of turned it into like a library, almost like a library, but there weren't really books there for you to check out. It was right. more of a space to relax, which it's a pretty warm place. So that gave you a chance. All the windows and doors are open. And mm-hmm. if there is a breeze, the breeze would go right through there. But you just sit there and sort of commune with other people who need to sit down. And it had photographs on the on the wall. And it had like this big book sort of in, art installation. Art installation. Um, but it was just an interesting place. And it was right along the port as it was well. A very old traditional style one of the oldest buildings i think in town so yeah really cool i when it's closed up because i was looking at google maps trying to pinpoint its location uh and when they did their street shot of it it was closed 
So it doesn't look like much when it's closed. It's just another old wooden building with, you know, shuttered front. But when it's open, the whole thing opens up and it's just beautiful, natural wood, brickwork in some areas. And yeah, just a great place to sit in. And we talked to a few other people that were there. There was only three or four other people there, but they were all just willing to chat and have pictures taken. And yeah. Oh, the little family in the back. Yeah. And then there was a little family in the back. That's right. And it's right off the lake. Well, okay. So the old town is pretty small. It's definitely walkable. Um, It's one way streets. So we went down the main road. Uh, closest to the lake and we walked down that one and then we came back up a little bit more inland on the other street that which was more the opposite the, direction. I would say that was more the shopping road, the main road yeah, that people walk sure. on. So we kind of did it where we ended up on that road yeah. and that worked out really good. I think the reason we did it that way is because we went to the ceramics museum, mm-hmm. which was just beautiful. I mean, you walk through there and again, it was like an old manor house and there's just the furnishings and the ceramics and everything was just so feng shui, so beautiful, yeah, so calming. But there was a lot of people there. So it was crowded. It was pretty crowded. Yeah. And, but it was spot. so nice. I mean, like I said, I think the tourists were all Singaporean and Malaysian. There Chinese. were no other. Oh, no, not Chinese because China wasn't open yet. It wasn't Chinese. Yeah. Um, and they were so polite and so welcoming and they, you know, they were very conscious of not being in your photos or if you wanted them in the photos, but allowing you to be in the photos. It was just really, or taking really, photos really of nice. us. Yeah. Or taking photos with us. Exactly. Which is fun. Then we went to what they call the red brick the building. The red rice mill. Red. Oh, the red rice mill. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Don't, don't ever repeat what I call things. <laughs> but anyway. Well, because it's on a lake. Uh, a very large lake, it was difficult to get rice moved around uh, other than on the water. So they would, farmers from around that region would bring their rice into this rice mill where they could get it milled and sell it uh, as a, like a cooperative type thing. Once that kind of went away. Once the need for the that, because now away, we have, you know, cars and it's right, much easier. Trucks and trucks whatever. And, mm-hmm. uh, they had, I, I mean, they had this presence of mind to keep the building. It's a beautiful old wooden building. And now it's just kind of like a venue space. And well, a, a venue area. space, but it also has another museum another area. Museum it has the history the of Songclaw yeah. and the history of the building itself, like you were saying. Um, it's right on the water, so you can go out back and see the boats. Um, it's very interesting. Um, and, of course, there's a couple of food vendors in there. Ice cream. You can get ice cream. And you can just sit and, again, get out of the heat. When we were there... That was the third week in November. Yeah. It was hotter than blazes. Yeah. I'm sure it's always hot there. And you know, every picture you see of me (laughs) be worn, my hair is all over the place because it does not do well with humidity. (laughs) So it was hot and humid and yeah. Well, that was a fun space because it, like I said, it's a venue space. So there's a stage in one area, Yeah, but it wasn't like a live band playing. It was karaoke. At the time we were there. At the time we were there. And I don't know if it was like people who were singing for the crowd karaoke or just a karaoke machine up on the stage that anybody could come up and sing to. We don't know. Which is what it more seemed like. But it seemed very informal and very easy and just people were having a lot of fun. Kind of a nice space. Yeah. It was just, it was really fun. It was definitely worth a stop on our walking tour for sure. Uh, From there, we did go around the corner. And come up on, like I said, more into the main downtown area, I would say. And when you're down in the main downtown area, there's a Chinese temple or two Mm, that we went to. There's wonderful shops, plenty of food, street food and restaurants. And just, I mean, I just think that we had a really good time walking down the street. Jim had. I got to take a rickshaw ride. A little rickshaw ride. (laughs) About three blocks. One of the things you're going to see in the street art as you're walking through this part of town is there's a huge mural on the side of this one building that's got faces of Songkla. People who have been in the city or maybe are important figures in the city, that sort of thing. And they're just covering this wall with all these faces and people, which is really cool. But one of them, this is this, is this really old guy with a rickshaw. 
And our guide points it out and says, and you can still ride on that rickshaw. And I, I said, oh, really? Because we had seen a couple of rickshaws around the town, um, but mostly it's a walking town, I would say. Just yeah, you don't really need to ride a rickshaw. It's so small and there is traffic. So walking was good. Anyway, about what, about 20 feet from that mural uh, here. Sure enough, here is this old man sitting on his rickety old bicycle rickshaw. Uh, I'm not sure which one is older, him or the bicycle. They're, they're both ancient. And I said, okay, I'll go for a ride. Well, the ride, it was all of two or three blocks to our next stop. It was, I don't even think it was two or three blocks. Yeah. It was short. But it was a lot of fun and he was a great character. So that was kind of cool. And he, you know, it was just typical Thai. He's smiling and he's talking all in Thai and we don't know a word he's saying or maybe it was in English or I don't know. No. Whatever it was, it was intelligible and we couldn't really understand any of it, but it was cute. It was good. And he just was so happy to have Jim on there. I figured I'd kill the poor man if he tried to take <laughs> me on his bike because he was well, what in his seventies. Yeah. But he looked like he was in his nineties. Oh, he did. And, but he was this little guy and I thought, oh gosh, nobody wants to get on that bike. I mean, nobody wants to put him through that. Yeah. But, but it he, was, that's it was what he cute. wants to do. Yeah. Anyway, Stone Claw is a very cute little city Yeah, and it's not going to take long to go through it. Um, one day, Really taking your time will you'll be able to do everything. I would say and half day. I, I think it's more of a half day thing, but if you want to eat there and just spend the night, I think you have time if you fly in, if you get there in the morning um, and you have like all afternoon and evening, that would be plenty. It would be a good place to stay for yeah. the night. The one place, well, the one place we that we stopped in at the end of the walking was a boutique hotel that it was a beautiful little place. It had a gorgeous garden, interesting and a shop. food, coffee shop, uh, and they did it all right there. So it was really a cool experience. I think just to have tea there, which is what we did. But it would tea be a, and, no, we had desserts there too. Yeah, tea and sweets, and then. Uh, but I think it'd also be a great place to spend the night and just kind of like I think most of those type of day tourist places, if you get the opportunity to spend the night then you get the place to yourself and you really get to see what it's like without the tourists. And I think that's always cool. I do too. It's, it, it makes it really special, I think. Yeah. Anyway. So the next day we, the main reason we wanted to go to Songklaw was to get out on the lake. And so right. the next day we drove, how, how long did it? Well, we drove from up? there up to the top of Songklaw. About how long lake, was the drive? Uh, I wouldn't say like three hour, four hour. No, I don't remember it being that long. Anyway, two it wasn't hour, two and a half hours, maybe a couple of hours. And the first thing that you come to that sort of maybe introduces you to the this part of the region is the Chalom Prakyat's 80th birthday bridge. Oh, right. Which was, they were so proud of this bridge. The longest bridge in Thailand. Yeah. And we heard about this bridge over and over again before we got there. So we were very much looking forward to seeing this bridge. I'm going to say it was long. Yes. Five and a half kilometers. <laughs> but it's, I guess in my brain. When they, tell, when they say the bridge is a destination, yeah. you think the bridge is the destination. Right. It's going to be some kind of amazing architecture, that sort of thing, right? Right. That's what I was thinking too. It, I was envisioning this beautiful bridge in whatever way. Beautiful, like <laughs> Golden right. Gate Bridge or Wooden Bridge or even like the bridge in Hoi An that's like, like Chinese, you know, um, ceilings or something. Oh, right, oh, right. Oh, no, no. No. It's a cement bridge. No, but what is the destination there is the lake itself. The lake and the birding area. Yeah. So the bridge is really kind of like a causeway. I would call it more like a causeway. I would causeway. call it a causeway too. Yeah. There are some areas that are slightly more raised than others, and that's more bridge-like, but it's still mostly a causeway. So you're just driving on a road across swamp. Is it swampland? Marshland. Marshland, yeah. I guess that's but better. I'm going to say, it really was a destination for the locals. Oh, yeah. There were so many families there who went there to basically bring food and eat dinner, sitting on the bridge, watching the sunset. Watch the sunset. Look at the, the water buffalo. If you're lucky enough to see them down below, usually they hang out under the bridge. Try to spot the birds. And they have the like, is cool. photos of the birds up on the bridge on the oh, right. light poles so, so you that can you see. can see different ones that you should be searching for. It was, it was pretty cool. It just 
we had heard about it so much that I was like so looking forward to this this picturesque bridge. And I'm going to say... The bridge itself is not picturesque. It wasn't but that picturesque, but picturesque. the region was picturesque. And yeah, and it's I think it's made to encourage people to come and just park on the side. So there's nice big pullouts, pretty much the whole length of the bridge on both sides. So you can just pull in and, and get out and look for birds, so have your lunch. So the family in front of us... They had a, a basically a sedan type car and they op- they pull over, they open their trunk and they pull out the funniest foods. It, it was like hot dogs on a stick. The <laughs> kids were so excited. There was like four kids and a an mom event. and a dad and it was an event and they were, of course, you know how kids are. They're more interested in the food than they are the sunset. So they all got their hot dog on a stick and a couple of other little things. And then mom corrals them over to watch the sunset, which I'm not sure they actually watched. Yeah. But they enjoyed their hot dog on a stick. It was just hilarious. I mean, it was definitely they went there on purpose. So cultural difference. It is a destination. It just wasn't yeah. what we were expecting. But it's worth going to. Oh, yeah. All right. But. It's the region, like Jim said, which is so cool. And so we got there and we got there at sunset for the bridge, which is what they timed it perfectly. And then we went to dinner, which, by the way, there's a it's a marsh area. So there was plenty of mosquitoes. Mosquitoes. Luckily, they had lots of different mosquito repellents to try and they had the, the coils burning and they didn't really bother us too much. They were there for sure. You noticed them, but I never got bit. But the place that we went to was the. Uh, it was in the same area. They, they call it a resort area, but it wasn't what I would think of as a resort again. It was much more, I thought, community-based, small. It wasn't a sprawling resort, but it still had all the resort things. It, it had the buffet. It had the pool. It even You could even, I think, go on little kayaks if you wanted to. Uh-huh. Um, and of course... The rooms were nice. They had a swing in the rooms yeah. that looked over the, the water. On the deck in the back. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. The dinner, I thought was really neat. It was in a, it was kind of like on a deck built on the edge of the lake. So if you were there for sunset, you'd have a spectacular view of the sunset. And then right in the water, that whole area along the edge of the lake is where they um, have the fishing nets set up. For Huge fishing. fishing nets. Yeah, the, the gigantic square fishing nets that are on like a, a lever system where they dip the whole thing down in the water. And uh, we got some, I think we got some video of that. It's pretty cool to get the net down or up. I mean, they kind of run up this ladder, the opposite side of the net and their weight brings the net up out of the water. But only one person is needed yeah, it's to, just a to run job. this whole contraption. It like that is a good, women. I mean, how long do you think that is? It's gotta be 50 feet long. It's huge. And height wise, I mean, it's probably like, what, 20 feet high or something? They're big. The net itself, I think, is probably like a 30-foot square. And so the whole construction needs to accommodate that. And there's plenty of these. And um, so like Jim said, if we'd been there a little, we saw a little bit of it while we were there. But um, But the next morning, we saw a lot more. And the food was really, really good. Um, Again, we had a smorgasbord of different Thai dishes, which were delicious. Um, One of the most popular dishes was the little fish that they fried and they were very insistent that we try it. And again, it's something that maybe Westerners wouldn't think of as their first choice of a snack. Well, most people balk at the idea of eating an entire fish. Yeah. They were delicious. Actually a tiny little thing. Yeah. Jim and I got over that years ago because we lived in Japan and, one of the snack foods in Japan is, is you know, dried little fishes, too, which live in northern Japan where we live. They were always drying them on the right. side of the road and stuff. So we got we got over that years and years and years ago. Um, but I thought they were delicious. And then, you know, it's like anything else. It's like, oh, well, they're eating it. So, so once we tried it and we thought it was good, everybody else then tried it. And I would say all but one person really, yeah. really enjoyed them. And there's always going to be someone who doesn't like it. That's okay, too. They had a lot of good food. They had a live band. 
Yeah. Cool. I would say cool ish beer. They wanted to put ice cubes. They always want to put ice in the beer in Thailand. Yeah. uh, I'd rather have my beer actually slightly warm than have ice in it personally, but that's a personal choice. And they, they were fine not putting the ice in it or putting the ice in it if you wanted it. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. It was a good meal. Um, the only thing that I was ready for bed by the time it was was a nice long day and we were getting up at five in the morning. That's right. Because, because the big event going down to the lake or going to this huge lake, um, the big event is taking the long tail boat ride in the morning. Yeah. Um, which we did. And the first part of that, as the sun was rising, we were, we were chug chug chugging as you'll hear on the on the video chug 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 chugging all the way through these fishing um nets which were mainly unmanned i don't think it was really the high season for the fish that they catch there um but there were a few people out on the nets and one lady so sweet she was there she was just getting ready for her day and we pull up and she's like "Oh, oh oh let me go drop my net she goes and she drops her net and she pulls it up and so we saw the mechanism and how it worked and i just thought and i don't i don't think she was paid by the company no, or no. she wasn't fishing. looking for tips she was just like oh here are some visitors let me show them how it works i thought that was so sweet yeah. um and we enjoyed that part of it the sunrise was gorgeous over the lake and of course with these haphazardly sort of almost what seemed like makeshift <laughs> fish traps made out of various pieces of wood that you can just find. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was, it, it made for a really, well, the really good ones had like aluminum ladders built into them for the part where they run up the side. But uh, those were, those were pretty rare. I was going to say those were <laughs> few and far between. And it was, I thought it was really kind of serene and calm as we when they turned the motor as we off floated as we drifted through the areas but once the engine's on you're like okay that engine's running <laughs> cluck, 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 cluck. yeah and it's not <sighs> i mean it, it, we still had a wonderful time we were oh, out on yeah. the water three and a half hours um and we hadn't eaten breakfast yet so we were starving by the time we got <laughs> back but i would say that it was definitely the highlight of our our entire Thailand trip trip, actually. Um, but (laughs) the motors were just, it's not serene. They, they just didn't really add to the (laughs) ambience. But you need it because things are pretty spread out. Uh, the nets in the fishing area was pretty much right there at the dock, a little bit down the river that I think flows into the lake. I'm not sure. Maybe it flew out of the lake, flowed out of the lake. Anyway, so about a hundred meters from the dock to get to the lake and it's all the fishing nets and uh, a little bit along the, the lake edge. We kind of stayed that area just till the sun came up Uh, and it was a beautiful sunrise. But then to get to like where the water buffalo are and where all the lotus flowers and the irises are, that's quite a bit of ways. So you need that engine. And yeah, as soon as the sun was up and uh, we were done with that little area, on comes the engine and we're just kind of shooting across the lake, which was also a lot of fun. Uh, And then we get to this marshy area and lo and behold, we're back we're to the bridge. Under the bridge. <laughs> so we got to be on top of the bridge and we got to be under the bridge, which is where the buffalo hang out too, probably because it's yeah. it adds shade and it's a little bit cooler. So we didn't really see many buffalo first thing. Because we morning. were too early. It was a little bit early. They were still penned up. Okay, so in my mind, here's another, I guess, misconception that I had. I'm assuming that these water buffalo are either wild right. or at any rate, they just, just live there. there. They're always there, right? And they sort of, I don't know. I don't know why I was imagining it this way, but <laughs> I assume them I to too. be there at all times. But as it turns out, because the boat, boat driver took us actually to a corral, they corral the water buffalo at night. Up on these little islands that really don't do anything but hold yeah, the water buffalo at night. A herd of buffalo. I mean, it's like packed in water buffalo. I'm assuming they must milk them or something. Yeah. And then they let them out in the morning whenever they get up and get over there. And I don't know if they've melted them again or what they've done. Um, So 
at six o'clock in the morning after seeing the sunrise and doing part of the thing they they weren't out but by the time we came back around i'm gonna say 7 30 7 7 30 the water buffalo were out and in fact they were all sort of going where they wanted to go and they were moving a lot and swimming and they had their babies and they were watching them and they were making sure that they didn't get in too deep and it was it was pretty neat. And unfortunately, I think that some of the boats may have gotten a little too close and, and scared some of the water buffalo because there was probably five or six boats, uh, four of three of which were with us. Yeah. And then some were with a few other people. Um, and maybe, you know, I, I felt that was a little bit stressful for the cows, uh, the water buffalo. But but other than that, when we kept our distance, they were beautiful and it was it was fun to watch them swimming yeah. and figuring out where they wanted to go. We also saw, and this is like I mentioned earlier, a birding area and we saw tons All kinds of, of different gorgeous birds. birds. It was the perfect time of day for it, of course. Yeah. So once the sun comes up, like that, that point where it's just coming up, the birds are the most active. Uh, they were everywhere. It was very cool. A little too far to get any good pictures, but yeah, of course. But still beautiful, and and you can see them with your naked eye, and that made it much more interesting. And the other thing in that area was, of course, the lilies, the water lilies, and the lotus flowers, and the lotus flowers. And, that's right. And so first we came across the water lilies, and this was really interesting. I'd never really been in the water with a water lily. I didn't. We, we never paid attention to it. Yeah, I didn't realize that their roots were so long and intertwined. So as the boat would go through, it would it would like move the roots around and some of the flowers would kind of sink slowly under the water until the boat was gone and then they'd come back up. And as they were sinking, the flowers would close like a self-preservation type thing. That was pretty neat. But it was really cool just to be like in the middle of this huge water lily bed with flowers all around. Except there weren't as many flowers as we were led to believe. Um, As it turns out, and I made sure I asked this question, of course, this was after the fact for us, but before the fact for you guys, right? Right. Is that the best time to go to see the water lilies in their you know, in their best light when there's tons and tons of them out is not only early in the morning when we went there, but during the month of April, because Mm -hmm. that's when the rains, you know, they're just perfect then. And I guess there's a lot more. Um, We had little patches of them and they were gorgeous. Don't get me wrong. We loved it, but there just weren't as many as I was expecting. You see um, these pictures of like the whole lake covered in them. That's we that didn't see not that. What we saw, we would see patches here and there of good size patches, but not yeah, not as widespread as we thought. Yeah, and same with the lotuses. I think it was not the best time of year for the lotuses either, because we would we only saw a handful, a handful of of lotus flowers. Yeah, I think most of them were passed already. Anyway. I would go in April if I were you. If you have a chance to go, if you're going to be traveling to Thailand, go down there in April and check it out. And let me see your pictures. Yeah. Um, The very end of our tour, it's getting late. We're a little tired and actually perhaps ready to go back. The the guy takes us on a, another little jante plumere, we like to say, which is completely incorrect, by the way, Um, down this almost, um, uh, what would you call it? Like a water tree tunnel. Oh yeah. You know, instead of a, you know, those road tunnels where the trees come over, it was exactly like that, except that it was a little on water. narrow waterway. And it was only, gosh, if it was three feet wide, if I, I felt like it was like a one way, but we did route, have we a did boat, have a boat come by and we just direction. all sort of like stopped and went really slow and Kind of like you would on a really narrow country road. Yeah. It was beautiful. It was actually, I think, the prettiest part mm, of the yeah, ride. I really well, enjoyed that. The sunrise was cool. Too. It was all cool. Don't get me wrong. But it was it was such a great way to end the lake drive, the lake ride. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of funny because it was getting towards the end of when they had chartered our boats. And one of our boats didn't go down there. Right. So they got back a whole hour before we did. And they had a nice long leisurely breakfast, but they did not get to see this no. beautiful water tunnel. Well, yeah. And it came out on the other end and it opened up into this beautiful like grassland field, lake marsh area that was really 
just beautiful and quiet. And so in order so to green. take this, you, you might want to book your tour before you go down there. But that is really one of the main things that you're doing is taking the water, um, the long, the long tail boat. boat ride early in the morning. Um, so if you get down there and you haven't booked it yet, talk with your hotel right mm-hmm. away because you'll want to book it for the morning after you get there. Yeah. Um, and it, it's definitely a highlight. And like I said, we were on the water. I'm going to say three to three and a half hours. Right. And we were hungry when we were done. <laughs> well, and we the long tail boats brought us right back to a dock. The dock of our at hotel. The, at the hotel. Yeah. So we just climbed off the boat and went right up. Right, right. We to threw breakfast. our things in the, in the room first, but then we had breakfast. Uh, after breakfast, the n- other big thing that you can do in the area is to go out to mm. um, the Varney Handicraft and Homestay area. And, and, and let me tell you something. You you really don't want to miss. No, it was it was fascinating. If you love if you love baskets, number one, or handicrafts of any type, number two, or just seeing how things are done and a success story, it had all of those components plus more. Yeah, and really well put together, well presented, thought out, uh, just a gorgeous building. The handmade woven handbags is their big thing that they make. These are like designer handbags. They're gorgeous. They're They're amazing. Yeah. They're not like a little woven bag that you would pick up for grocery shopping in a, in a little street market or something. And and even the ones that may be embroidered and you can pick up for, you know, I don't know, five, $10. I have no idea. Um, Those have maybe some typical scenes on it. These, that that's not what these are. These are, pieces of art right. Beautifully they constructed. had i i, I mean what, you've just got to look at the pictures the, it, we were blown away yeah. at what they could do with these grasses and the weaving and it's all done with traditional techniques hand they're when we say handmade, handmade they're hand they, they go out and they chop hand the, and foot made and foot they chop the weeds they dry the reeds they, they then bundle, bundle them, up, them up and then they they like walk on them like you would walk on a barrel to make to them soften flat them up and make them flat them that flattened them out and then they actually just have these people that are locals who come in and work however many hours they want and they have different jobs, whatever their talents are. Um, but most of them, of course, they need lots of weavers right. and they just weave and weave. And one of the weavers, of course, is the mom of the family who started this business and she was just wonderful yeah. and she was amazing. She'd been doing it with some in like 30 some years. It was Oh, yeah. It blew my mind. When we and came, I, I'm not a big shopper. So right. when I first heard about this, I thought, oh, this really isn't, you know, my kind of a thing. And I eat my words. I mean, it was the whole event was amazing. Well worth, well worth the trip. Well, we got to take a basket weaving class. Yeah. So we all sat down and we wove our own little coaster. Coasters is what they ended up becoming because yeah. we didn't spend a whole lot of time doing it. Uh, but it was fun because there's a group of like eight of us, right? What and was we're neat all like, about it? Is, how are you doing? How are you doing? Look what was neat about it is one of the things they taught you was how to do a little bit of design in there and mm-hmm. see what your ingenuity was. Eight people, eight different designs. Right. It was, I mean, that to me was mind blowing all just by itself. Mine was one of the least attractive. Jim's was one of the more attractive, but, but it didn't, not I didn't the really most incorporate a lot of design in mine. Yeah. It was just neatly woven, I guess. And then to show you the different parts of their bags and how they do them, the next part of the experience is you go and learn how to embroider on these mm-hmm. Handbags, and it comes with a handbag that is a nice little handbag. It's a nice little handbag that you would want to buy anyway. Not one of their like high end designer oh, yeah, ones. No. This more is more like would, a beach one. Yeah, exactly. To carry things around. Um, and then you could embroider anything you wanted on it. Um, but you were going to do the embroidery, the majority of it. <laughs> so we just picked letters for our daughters' names. But uh, a lot of people did a full name, or some people did small flowers. My mm. favorite one was one person in the corner of the bag just put one daisy, and it looked beautiful. It looked yeah, it very really, stunning, actually. Really cool. um, and so we learned how to do the embroidery part of it, too. And, and of course, they helped us. And they would watch and kind of see how people were doing things, because we 
for this, we didn't get any instruction at all. You just like, yeah, well, they showed you at the very beginning. Sure. But when they let you loose with the needle and the, and the yarn, you're pretty much on your own. And they would just kind of look and, and watch, look over your shoulder and some of them would shake their head or, or whatever. Then, but then when you were done, they would take it and they would do the finish work for you. And so you would get it back and be like, wow, that looks pretty good. (laughs) Did I do that? When in reality, they didn't undo anything. They just like tweaked it and filled in little areas just to make it look really nice for you, which I thought was pretty cool. And we didn't stay there, but it is a homestay where you can have like an experience where you're staying in these really gorgeous rooms. They have a really gorgeous pool, bungalows with a pool. Uh, food is provided, which it would need to be because this really is kind of Out in the, the middle, middle of nowhere. nowhere. Um, and I, th- I think you could do that in conjunction with a boat. You'd have to boats. check that out. We don't know for sure. I'm not sure. It is a little bit far. You'd have to get up really early to get a sunrise. Yeah, I think it's better to stay closer to the a good half lake. hour away from our from the hotel that we stayed in, um, but in the area. So it might be doable, something to check on. But it, I would stay there. It was a beautiful place. And a lot of fun. And the family that runs it is has really turned it into a success story for the whole community. They get everybody involved. Everybody. They don't, it's not like one person making a huge amount of money. They put a lot of the profits they get back into um, the center itself. Of course, it, it's shared with all the people that work in the area, but they also do projects for the community with a lot of it. So I thought that was really cool. It was a beautiful place. It was definitely a success story. I, like I said, didn't think I was going to like it. Ended up really, really loving it. So it was, I think it's worth going to. I think you should plan on it. And if you like doing any crafts or anything with your hands or knowing how things are made, you're going to love it that much more. Yeah. Um, the last thing we did in the Sewing Claw area was also one of the most fun things. And that was the... Let's see if I can say this right. Probably won't. The Klonghei. The floating market, yeah. It was a floating market. Now, here again, my idea of what a floating market is and what Klonghei's idea of what a floating market is are two entirely yeah. different things. Uh, when I think of a floating market, I think of like canals that are lined on both sides with like long tail boats that are covered and they've got one boat might be full of coconuts and one's full of bananas and different produce and different products. Yep. And, and you're just kind of cruising through these canals yeah. and, and shopping. That's nope. what I thought. <laughs> That's not what this floating market <laughs> That's is. That's not what this was. This was long tail boats mm-hmm. all parked with their front of the boat sort of overhanging, uh, almost like a curb, like a road curb, yeah, yeah. but it was the side of the river. Like of a course. promenade on the river. Like a promenade. Yeah. And, uh, there, there must've been, I'm going to say 50 boats. Oh yeah. I don't know how many, quite a few. And they all sold only one thing, yes. one or two things. Um, some of them were like juice stands with really cool ceramic pots that you get your juice in. Some of them were chicken. Some of them were rice. There were sweet things. Sweets. There were savory things and it was all food. Yeah, food to all eat, of the right floating then and there. market part was food for sure. Like different, like street food stalls, street food, but river food stalls on boats. It was pretty cool. Of course, the torrential downpour that came as we were walking through there really Put a little really added to it. the experience, <laughs> made it difficult to enjoy the food and hard for the people selling it, of course, uh, but clearly that's something that they're used to dealing with. They just kind of yeah. zipped up the areas and covered it a little bit and mm, waited for the rain covered. to stop. And then everybody came back out and it was pretty crowded. And we tried a few things, but gosh, we ate so much on this trip that we were not hungry at all. And it had, I I wish I'd gone there hungry. So go to Klonghei hungry because the food down on those boats, cheap. And I mean, I could just, I didn't eat a whole lot of it because like I said, we were full, but I I could have. And what we did have was amazing. It was. It was so good. And they had such different things. Like they had little... Because it was a street food, like they had, um, this one lady had like these, um, bamboo 
bamboo kind of pieces of wood where they had the rice and an egg in it. It was just yeah. really pretty presentations. Yeah. But there was also a market there. Yeah, and so, behind it. So, like, if you walk along the promenade, that's where the boats are. Right. But then you can go up steps to a higher ground, and it was a and there was a covered uh, market, that, which I think is probably there maybe all the time. For sure, it's a permanent market structure that you could walk, and you can get anything and, there from t-shirts to rice makers, <laughs> more food, clothing, of course, yeah, shoes. We a lot bought, of people doing their shopping. Bought a couple of t-shirts and some tie pants and stuff, and. Even for people who aren't shoppers, it was a great place to go for sure. And that was kind of our, you know, swan song. That was the last last thing that we did. And if I had gone hungry, I probably would have even like, I loved it as it was, but I would have loved it even more because I wanted to try so much more food and Mm -hmm. I just couldn't do it. Um, But it was definitely something that you want to do when you're in the area. Uh, Song Claw for me Definitely was a highlight of our Thailand uh, trip. I like, I like your term, hidden gem. Well, I mean, everybody's heard of Chiang Mai and Chiang Rai and, 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 of course, Bangkok. Khoi Phu- And it's just, and they're all great places. I love them. Don't get me wrong. But this was even that much cooler. Yeah, unexpected and beautiful. And and there was more to, there, it's a smaller area, so it's not full of things to do. I mean, you're not going to get that experience where you have, you know, temple after temple after temple after temple to go to, like you can in Chiang Mai or in Bangkok or whatever. And those are all fantastic things. But if you um, tag this on somewhere in your itinerary, you're going to enjoy mm. a more pastoral, right. sort of natural um, quieter, slower, quieter, slower, really nice and yeah. relaxing, but still wonderful. You experience. know, you could also fly into Hot Yai and I think rent a car. There's a lot of car rentals there. Um, that is an area that I would not have any trouble driving around. Um, we're pretty adventurous with driving, um, but I, I think that would be an area where having a rental car would make a really good little road trip around the lake uh, and just having the time to, to drive yourself to the different places. Now we didn't do that. I agree with you. I think it's doable, but I also don't know about the connectivity and the Google maps and stuff and how, how easy or how difficult that would be. But I agree that driving there, even for me, I mean, there were so there was, there were cars, but they weren't anything like, you know, Bangkok traffic or Phuket traffic. So, very doable, I think. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, for connectivity, I mean, we use, we were using Google Fi uh, and we had pretty good connectivity everywhere, even though some of those places were pretty remote. Yeah. I think I even had connectivity on the lake as we were doing the long tail boat. Did you? Yeah. Anyway, chalk this up to one of those experiences that Jim and I really, really loved. Um, that is off the beaten path. Again, yes. one of those terms that may be overused, but it really is. <laughs> and it's an off the beaten path hidden gem. <laughs> it is. It really is. And it was wonderful. There's very few of those left in the world. And the terms are, I think, really overused. And sometimes it still applies. And this was one of them. I agree. hundred percent. Mean, we need to come up with some new terms for those though. Okay. Jim and I will brainstorm on that. Yeah. Uh, so stay tuned. We've got more really fun things coming up. We've done quite a bit of travel since we've been in the Asian region and can't wait to see you until next time. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Streets and Eats. If you liked what you heard, please show us some love, hit the like button and leave us a review. Maybe even subscribe so you don't miss any future podcasts. Also, we'd love it if you joined us on our Facebook private group, Streets Needs, where we just have an ongoing conversation about all things travel. Ciao for now.